Hello. You're listening to Mock Footage. These two pals really like movies, but one of them hasn't seen very many, okay? Our hosts won't be using any nasty language, so you can share this with your grandma. And they will be discussing major plot details, so here's your dang spoiler warning. Hi everyone, my name is Joseph Langlois, and this week we are discussing Dune, released in 1986, and uh, yeah. My name is Ray Giroso, and I've never heard Joe tell me the year of a movie before. Well, I wanted to say that because I wanted to establish the fact that I've never seen it and you've never seen it, but we do have an expert here with us. Oh, thank God. Hi, I'm Peter, and I'm here to tell you that it's also good you said the year because there's so many Dune attempts that it's good to be specific about which one you're working on. Okay, well, I did know that there's, a, I do know that there's another one coming out this year, but mm-hmm. um, I that I don't know anything about any of it. It's gonna have Zendaya in it. Oh, Z- Zendaya from Overwatch. I only know Zendaya's name from the meme, from the, the Zendaya's Michi. But yeah, <laughs> I don't know who Zendaya is. Did you guys not see The Greatest Showman? No, no. I oh. don't watch movies, Pete. Oh, I guess I should have known that one. Cause the whole- <laughs> <laughs> mm. Mm. And I stopped it's... watching movies after high school, so. Okay. <laughs> I know that's the one with Zac Efron. Uh, Hugh Jackman and Zendaya, right? Yeah. Now tell me about this Hugh Ackman. Hugh Ackman is an Australian Ackman. Are you including a person now? Yep. <laughs> yeah. <Can> you just. <laughs> uh, he is made out of claws and kindness. He is... knows how to sing. Um, he played. <laughs> Sorry. No, like I gotta know who like who is he in Dune? <laughs> oh, oh, oh he's in Dune now. <laughs> he played he he played Sandblaster in Dune. Okay. Uh Sandblaster is one of the heroes. Okay. Uh he carries a big vacuum uh with him and he can suck up the sand and shoot it out at like uh, a high velocity. Um, to basically just like erase your skin. Okay. Because you know how um sandblasting can like actually yeah. like uh remove rust from items mm-hmm. and components. That's you can what also he does. do that, but but for flesh. Yeah, he does that to flesh. So it's yeah, those your body is a kind of rust. <laughs> That's very flesh true. Flesh is a kind of rust, and I need to get rid of it so I can see the bones again. Um, I want to get more into the details of what happens in Dune with you, Ray. But first, I do want to take the opportunity to uh, properly introduce Peter. Peter is here. Uh, found him just just outside. Uh, covered in sand. Covered in sand. And um, I know that Peter is in our fan discord with the tag S. Brindle and has popularized the home game version of mock footage. Can you please tell me a little bit more about what inspired this project, Peter? I mean, that's definitely asking you to just talk nice things about this podcast, but tell me how, <laughs> tell me how it's gone for you. Yeah, I mean, um, the podcast is a really fun idea, and I think that uh, the only thing more fun than listening to Ray try to guess what a movie is is trying to guess what a movie is yourself, mm-hmm. and it's a great activity to play with your loved ones, especially if you, like me, are currently in a relationship with someone who hasn't seen very many movies. You mm-hmm. gotta kind of be like, you've never seen Blade Runner, you've never seen Alien. You gotta gotta get on this. Mm-hmm. I Blade Runner is one that I specifically do want to cover because I've never seen Blade Runner, and I I I have heard I've heard you've never seen Blade Runner more times than I've actually heard anybody talk about Blade Runner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, we, yeah, our list of movies to watch is basically just that, not even necessarily ones that we enjoy mm-hmm. or think are meaningful to us, but just we're going to stop hearing that. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, 
so how how are we doing so far with Hugh Jackman playing uh, Sandblaster? Well, what's the premise? Well, also, thank you for being so active in the Discord, Peter. Yes, thank you. Um, go join the Discord. It's fun. We have a fun time there. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, what's our premise for Dune, Joe? I've got it. I've got it. Okay. You, you've helped me get there, but I know exactly what's going on. Um, so there is a group of heroes, like you mentioned, and they all have unique abilities. Um, it's very kind of like Avengers-esque. Um, but it's a little bit more grounded. They're not superheroes. Grounded because they're sand. Uh-huh. Um, and what they're doing is they're exploring a desert that is vast and harsh. Um, but what they're looking for is an... Well, they, they kind of crash-landed there. And they are searching for a fabled ancient vehicle. Um, but they have to find all the parts of it and put it back together before the desert overtakes them. Mm, that's okay. the Dune Strider, right? The Dune Strider is the vehicle, yes. Um, is it an airship? Is it a car? Yeah, so it's an airship. It's got like a little sail that's powered by yeah. sunlight and a sundial on it, I'm pretty sure. Um, I think this was... I think what you're describing is one of the sequels to Treasure Planet, but I'm not sure. Um, I'll tell you exactly what I'm describing. It, it is the board game Forbidden Desert. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. And that's fine. <laughs> and that's fine. We're here. Um, so Avengers in the Forbidden Desert. Uh, can you give me... Is this set like on Earth present day or... This is 1889. I was Okay, I was going to go the other direction, but I'll commit to that. It's 1889. But it's steampunk 1889. Yep. Yeah. Okay. We don't know what planet this is. It's pro- it's Earth adjacent. Wait. Okay. If we okay. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Hey, no one's ever thought of the fact that maybe planets in the universe don't have to take place in the future. But. So wait, okay. So it's eight- <laughs> it's eighteen eighty nine on a different planet. It's it's eighteen it's the eighteen hundreds. It's the eighteen hundreds okay. on an alien planet with human adjacent beings, like Sandblaster played by Hugh Ackman. Okay. Waternity right. played mm-hmm. by Zendaya. <laughs> no. Uh Waternity wa- is another hero. Uh and he can just produce water constantly. He's constantly okay. producing water. How? Um, through his fingers. Okay. Like the okay. little valves on their fingertips open and just water pours out. Yeah, um let's see. So uh so we have this Avengers like cast. Uh how many are the total? Five? Four. Four. Five. Five. One Five. of them okay. is a cat friend. Okay, so we have Sandblaster. Waternity and cat, unnamed cat friend. Mm-hmm. Um. There's also, um, uh, the there's the character that's only known as the weatherman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's very tall. And does she have a cloak? No, no. She's she's wearing, she's wearing like a bright purple suit and she has a big cheesy grin um and and she's very tall and she she will she basically gets premonitions about when the storm is about to get a lot worse or you know whatever they need to whatever they need to do to to survive the next day Mm, okay okay and so then is she is she a member of the secret order of space nuns that plays a major role in this series God, I'm, excuse me? Not her, but her mother. Oh, okay. Uh, her mother was a space nun. <laughs> yes. The space nuns are a group that... They're like mechanics, right? Um, And they are the ones who send these five to go find the Dune Strider because they want to learn more about the Dune Strider. But in actuality, <laughs> uh, they want to use the Dune Strider to get off the planet to to spread the the word of the the planet's uh, mechanical genius, 
Interesting. Because the space nuns are in charge. Mm -hmm. And I think this is a good time to introduce another faction that I remember very specifically you very much disliked. Um, I remember when we watched this movie previously because you have seen it before. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ray, you hated the navigators. Can you tell me about them and what unsettled you so much? Yeah, they're constantly pointing where they shouldn't be going. Uh, oh yeah, they, yeah. They get in big groups and like they they know the right way to go. And in order to communicate that, they they all like point other ways. They're like, oh, mm-hmm. we should all go that way. And the whatever way they're not pointing is the way you're supposed to go. Right. Oh, but big but it, so, Yeah. So you're talking about like a hive mind kind of thing. A little bit, and they never speak. Hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, because uh, my one of my favorite, well, one of my favorite points in the movie, but uh, it's actually the worst, is when they all just turn towards the group and point at them mm. uh, because the group is starting to fracture. Mm. Uh, because the, the navigators aren't, like, they run into the navigators, right? Mm-hmm. And we learn a little bit about them. And then uh, the climax of that is all of the navigators pointing right towards the group, meaning that the group is not the answer mm-hmm. uh, and what that means for the rest of the movie. Yeah. But the reason that you hate them because is because mostly of how they look, right? Yeah. I'm very vain. Um, they have big, big light blue <laughs> elephant trunks. Oh, is that what they use to point? Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's, they're just constantly moving though. Oh God, I hate this. They're elephant. Oh, the elephant. I hate this so much. What? They're Elephant the Elephant. They're Elephant the Elephant. Watch him blow. <laughs> okay. Oh, no, I actually hate these characters. <laughs> God. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, Joe, can you tell me the significance of worms to the movie? There are no worms at all. That's That's what's weird about it. <laughs> Is that they talk about the ancient worms and how they like crash landed the Dune Strider? Yeah, the worms were, were the worms were the ancient civilization that that built the Dune Strider, but now they're all extinct. They're all dead. They all died in the desert. Um, and there's one, there's one old ancient worm that is waiting to pass on the secret knowledge before he dies. Right. Mm-hmm. And he's um, like is... in the he's in the Dune Strider in the hull of it. He like attached to it, right? Like yeah. he can't like he is part of the do- the the ship now. Yeah. Um, we get to learn more about the worms in in the, one of the prequels, Dune Sonata. <laughs> Excuse me, <laughs> Dune Sonata, Dune colon Sonata, the, the <laughs> one of the prequels oh. to Dune. Yeah, okay. Now I understand. What, what I love Dan? about this more than anything else is that Dune Sonata actually does kind of match the naming convention. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> like you could slip that onto the bookshelf and I don't know if anyone would quite catch it. <laughs> oh no. Oh um, no. So, uh, so we have these five Avenger-like entities in the desert looking for the Dune Strider. It sounds like they're all kind of combat-oriented. Are they fighting anyone? Is anyone else in this desert? I guess the Navigators and the Nuns. Yeah, well, and also, it's it's important. Like, Waternity is there to keep them alive. And so is the mm-hmm. Weatherman. The Sandblaster's kind of the, the, front, the front line, the tank. Um, but are they fighting anyone? Yeah, like, where, where does the action come in? I didn't know that was going to be an important part of the movie. Um, <laughs> I mean, I guess they could just stand in the desert for the full I think there's, time, I think there's, there's, like, desert creatures. There's desert critters. I'm imagining, I don't know why, I, I don't know why, and I'm mad that I am, but I'm imagining, like, six-foot-tall anthropomorphic rabbit people. But not people. They don't talk... They just have like human bodies mm-hmm. and and then angry rabbit faces and they don't mm. eat vegetables. They eat meat. Mm. Ray, what did you think of the desert rabbits? I actually love their designs a lot. Um 
Much better than than the the navigators. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they look so unassuming. Like they look like nomads, right? Well, and yeah. At, like the first <laughs> shot that you see of one of them, it's just kind of a close up of the face, and you're like, "Oh, it's a bunny," and then the camera zooms out, and you see a, a whole man body. You huh? see a, a whole man body holding a spear, and you're like, "Oh no." Yeah. Is that um, is that right, Pete? Did we get it? <laughs> yeah. No, you're nailing it. Um. <laughs> Joe, like everything we say is correct. That yeah. like don't question it. <laughs> yeah. So, Ray. Yeah. Uh, now this movie was surprisingly star-studded. I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about the role that one of my favorite celebrities plays. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Can you tell me about Sting's character? Oh so Sting plays God. the Iliad. Uh, he is the final uh, hero here. Uh, and he has a bunch of, like, little weapons and trinkets, like little bombs and mines and, like, uh, throwing knives. He's cool. I like him. All right. And what, what's f- his costume like? Have you ever seen Hercules by Disney? Yeah. He looks like the sundial guy. Oh. You want to buy a sundial? Except instead mm, of sundials, mm-hmm. it's all of his fun little toys. Mm. Okay. And by toys, I mean weapons. He does look a little frazzled. All right. Um. So I think we've got all five of our Avengers now. Yeah. Uh, and so what? how does the t- name of the movie fit in? The Dune Strider. Okay. Dune Strider. There's dunes in the desert. It's like big, sweeping dunes. I, I, 90. Mm-hmm. No. A hundred percent, a hundred percent of this movie takes place in the dunes. Do you know how, um, do you know how there's that saying about moss always growing on the north side of trees? Yeah. Somebody says the line, and this is like the, the, the way they navigate. It does not make sense, but they say, uh, who says it, Joe? Fix somebody. Uh, the weatherman. The weatherman, uh, says... The dunes are always to the west. Keep heading forward. Okay. <laughs> oh, I like that. Oh, actually, that um, reminds me. This movie is, of course, the source of a lot of often quoted lines. Um, probably the most famous of which is, of course, the litany against fear. Joe, do you know the whole thing? Uh, there's nothing to fear but fear itself. <laughs> I think that was that's the that's the takeaway. Mm, all right, all right. Um, so let's uh, see. I think we're getting pretty close. Um, oh, what's the climax of the film? Um, yeah. So I mean, they they gather all the parts and they get them together at the hole of the Dune Strider, um, and. That's when they they meet the old ancient worm who passes on the ancient wisdom. But the space nuns have caught up. The space nuns have caught up. Uh, we see like cutaways throughout the movie of the space nuns being directed to where they should go by the navigators as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the when the space nuns catch up, there's a there's a battle uh, for the Dune Strider. Right, and the weatherman has to kill her mother. Right. <laughs> yep. That's intense. Uh, does it? What are some of the other sort of noteworthy takedowns? Who all dies? Um. Sandblaster. Sandblaster dies. Yeah. Sandblaster dies. Yeah. I think I think like the Dune Strider is like starting to rise up out of the sand and stuff, but there's just a bunch of like enemies floating in the space nuns can float um mm-hmm. and sandblaster is great uh gravely injured so he like throws himself off the side of the ship and like has his little little sandblaster rig thing set to self-destruct and he takes out a bunch of nuns that way yeah um i like how in the sequel tune sequel to dune <laughs> Uh, uh, Hugh Jackman comes back as Sandblasting, who is a modified version of Sandblaster, 
who does not remember anything. He's mostly dead, uh, and is not like a main character. Anyway, that's a, a conversation for for a different Mac. Footage. Yeah, for when we watch Tune, sequel to Dune. Mm-hmm. Oh, I. I'm upset by how close you just came to guessing something about the sequel. <laughs> Hi, welcome to Muck Footage, where we're eerily close about many things. I don't think this is one of those episodes, right? I don't think we got. I don't think we got a lot. <laughs> hey, Joe, that's okay. I started with the words Hugh Jackman is named Sandblaster, mm-hmm. and we had to continue from there. We certainly did. <laughs> I've had a lot of fun. Wait, I do have one more question, just because I really enjoy doing these lore questions. Um, so in the Dune universe, they have a very specific kind of force field. Could you tell me how it works and like what's special about it? Uh, it blocks the sun. That's important. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, it, it's sort it of can... the foundation of the whole fighting system. Um. Oh, I know, Joe. Okay. You have to be holding somebody's hand the whole time <laughs> for the force field to be in proper use. So you have to learn how to fight one-handed or, like, learn when to drop the force field. Right. Oh, man, that's extremely good. It's not right, but it's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, someone call the team behind, like, Ruby or something so we can get that fight choreography going. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Um, um, what was your favorite line? Yeah, that's the question, isn't it? Yeah. Ray, do you have any anything cooking in there? Um, yeah, it's, it's by Waternity. <laughs> okay. Uh, and, and he says at some point, the water is hot, but only when I'm embarrassed. That's your favorite line, Ray? <laughs> that's my personal favorite line from Dune. What's yours? I'll 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 give you my favorite Waternity line ever even. Uh he like at one you know so he normally like lifts up his fingertips and water comes out of him, but at one point during a fight he lifts up his whole hand and it's like a giant gush of water coming out of his arm and before he does that he says, "Let me introduce you to my super soaker." <laughs> because this movie was endorsed by nerf yeah <laughs> i don't i don't think it was i think this was just made during a time where like you could just you you would just like i don't know just reference stuff for no reason oh my god no yes. actually it predates the super soaker brand the, yeah they got yeah. sued by frank herbert <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my god oh man joe get us out of here uh Pete's been doing such a good job of leading the conversation that I forgot I'm supposed to do it. <laughs> yeah, I've been um, kind of waiting for you. Let's eat some popcorn in the desert where everyone likes yeah! to eat popcorn, where it gets all sandy. Yeah. Oh, no, the butter makes it stick. Yum, yum. Oh, I can feel the sand grinding in my mouth. Okay, I'm stopping my recording. Oh, no. I'm going to put a little spice on this popcorn. The ads must flow. Time to read a couple ads for shows here on Lunar Light Studio. First, I'd like to tell you about Badvertising. Badvertising is a podcast wherein the hosts are ad executives who take your favorite brands and then create a product and a viral ad campaign that will be sure to end in failure. Hosted by Penny Parker, Blue Lennox, and Haley Rose and airing every other Monday on Lunar Light Studio or wherever else you get your podcasts. Badvertising. Your dissatisfaction guaranteed. And next, let's take a look at Force Friends Rewatch. Force Friends Rewatch. Did you know that Star Wars fandoms don't have to be toxic sarlacc pits of gatekeeping and sexism? It's true. Me, Andy, and Ryan, the hosts of Force Friends Rewatch. They watch the television series of the Star Wars universe and discuss the impact each episode had on them as fans and as human beings. And they definitely only talk about the TV shows. And only occasionally do they dip into the films, theme parks, video games, tabletop games, action figures, cosplays, actors, writers, novels, comics, lore. But mostly it's just the TV shows. And you can find Force Friends Rewatch every other Friday on Lunar Light Studio or wherever else you might listen to your podcasts. 
Thanks for taking that quick little spice break with me. I highly recommend both of those shows, and I hope that you get a chance to give them a listen. But for now, it's time for us to get back into the second half of the episode. Let's go. All right, so... um, I'll start with the shortest possible plot summary. Please. Thank you, Peter. Okay, so in a space feudalism universe, the heir to one of the great houses is stranded on a desert planet when he when his house is attacked by one of the rival houses, and then he sort of links up with the desert indigenous people who have a prophecy that he's going to lead them to greatness, and then he unlocks magic powers and overthrows the emperor in sort of a climactic battle sequence. How did you do that? Because that's the actual plot. And that yeah. was very good. But Pete like, has I just done don't this know. before. Yeah, Pete, man. Oh, Pete's I, done this before. Got, I, I gotta take notes. I gotta take notes. <laughs> you you say what the large story beats are and ignore every single character aside from the like main one and the antagonist. That's how you do a, a succinct plot summary. This oh, has man. been a master class okay, in summary. Okay, well, since you are so good at Pete. it, you can do it from now on, right? I No, I was speaking for Pete, Joe. I... I I am not in opposition to you here. <laughs> well, yeah, that is that is the you're right. That is the large plot. Um, that is what happens in the movie, and then also so much other stuff happens. Yeah, um, that is that is the plot of this movie in the same sense that uh, the plot of Game of Thrones is that a lot of people fight over the throne for a while, and then w- one of them wins. <laughs> uh-huh. and it's yeah. not the person you want to win it's not the person anyone expects i was about to um, go into more detail but then i realized i, I think spoilers. so i think that like we just literally can't have a full conversation about this movie without I'm, it taking longer than the runtime of the movie i'm so tired so I'm instead so i think we're gonna just touch on some of the the parts that really stood out to us and then and then move on and, and call it good yeah yeah i i can't do better than that um i want to start by talking about the score because it was one thing that continued to to impress me throughout the movie because it's it has like a pretty standard like sci-fi music battle music stuff like that like dramatic synths and stuff but then also they layer on just a rock guitar sometimes and it just adds a completely new flavor and uh, I loved that I really loved that throughout the movie Yeah, a, a lot of the design choices here are intensely early 80s, late 70s, and I'm here mm-hmm. for that. Yes, yeah. The set design was incredible. I um, really enjoyed the dog in this movie. Yeah! Yeah, so yeah. Uh, at the beginning of the movie, there's a bunch of pugs running around the uh, the Atreides stronghold. That's the main guy's. And then they take them with them everywhere, and they just sort of keep cropping up in the background of scenes. Like, there's never a mm-hmm. scene where anyone talks to a dog or is like, I sure love my family dogs. But apparently mm-hmm. they're being cared for and maintained. Yeah, oh they're my just God. around a lot of times, including in one of the battle sequences when one of the when Patrick Stewart's character is leading the charge, and he has also in one of his hands is a, is a puppy. It's just a little dog. <laughs> he's I, like, we're gonna do it. He's got like I an just realized. In one hand and a pug in the other. And now, th- this might be because this movie destroyed me mentally, physically, and spiritually. Um, the dogs are a metaphor for for Paul because there are a bunch of dogs in the beginning, and then Sir Patrick Stewart is holding the dog, and then at the very end, there's just one dog left. I thought there's only yeah. Are you saying there used to be many Pauls? There were. There were many Pauls before. <laughs> you really nailed it, right? <sighs> Sorry, y'all. I can't do this. Um, What's something you I liked about the movie? Really like the shovels. Mm. 
I mm-hmm. like the the worm taming. The worm taming was fun. Mm-hmm. Yep. The thing about this movie is that the first like hour, forty minutes is a lot of setup for the actual movie. It's just yeah. a lot of political talk and setting up the the characters and the politics of the world and setting, which is fine. I had fun with that. It took way too long. It could have been like twenty minutes. So the thing that gets me about Dune is that they take tremendous pains to set up a wider universe for a story that doesn't really touch on any of it. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Like... Yeah, so, like, the first scene is the Emperor talking to a floating brain guy. And the floating brain guy says it's really important to us that Paul Arrakis is killed. Um, And I know that... I know that he shows up again halfway through the movie at one point, but it's also mostly just in dreams. There's a lot of dreams and visions and future sight and like tele tele telepathy, but also internal monologues. So it all gets kind of muddled. Um, and then that that brain that floating brain guy never shows up again at the end of the movie. It. it his speaker is there. Yeah, a guy from Team Brain shows up. That's true. That's true. Um, I just didn't know what his. I never knew what his motivations were. Like, yeah, and it seemed like the movie wanted me to care about it. Like, it seemed like it was setting up as him as some big bad, possibly even worse than the Emperor. But I, I never knew why he cared whether or not Paul was dead. He's part of the 1% that controls the world and the economy and the spice, obviously. The spice. The Um, spice must flow. So I know that Dune is based off of, like, six novels. Yeah. Right? Well, it's based off of one novel. The first One novel. So I'm assuming that things expand in the wider universe in the novels. But they tried to do so much here. Actually. They tried to do so much here. And if it was going to be a continuing series, I get it. That didn't happen with Dune. <laughs> Actually. No! Um, Pete! So after Paul wins at the end, he dismantles most of the feudal system. And so, like, all of the characters and customs we learn about in this movie go away. And we do, like, a 50-year time skip. gonna flip. Then what? Okay. That's, I mean, that seems to That's... be, like, part of the design philosophy of this storytelling is that, like... We're going to spend a lot of time setting something up and then play with it for a little bit and then completely throw it away. Right. Like, Aaliyah is probably a major character in the next novel or something. Because I could feel that there's a lot of, like, things being set up for a future thing that may not pay off in this one. And that's fine. I'm going to stop ranting and talk about this movie. Yeah. Um... Uh, Kyle McLaughlin's in it. I only yes. know him from Twin Peaks, and he's a cutie, and yes. that's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, seeing him as well as like understanding that this movie was directed by David Lynch. Every time I, I started to think about like how weird and strange this movie was, and uh, <laughs> how hard it was to like make sense of it, I remembered that it was directed by the David Lynch, and I was like, oh, okay. Like oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. So what does that mean? I don't know who David Lynch is. He directed Twin Peaks as well. Oh, so the oh, fun okay. thing well, okay. about that, the thing I love most about Dune is I I mentioned earlier that there have been many attempts to direct it. Uh-huh. Um, uh huh. So one of the people that they tapped before David Lynch, who is widely considered to have tried to bring it back in, um. That guy said that his goal for the movie was to bring the experience of LSD to people who had never tried it. <laughs> uh-huh. And then Lynch was like, that's too visionary. Let's cut it back to a normal movie. I don't know. I kind of felt drug things in this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There were some yeah. drugs. Hey, what's the spice? It's the worm. The spice is the worm. And the water of life. When he... When he took that and there was like a negative image of him over some <laughs> lightning bolts and stuff while he was having a trip and that trip also affected a bunch of other people around the universe. Universe? <laughs> yeah, that was powerful. Thanks. That was strong. That was a strong, strong feeling. 
of what maybe drugs can do for you. Maybe. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I've never done LSD! But if they're suggest- I know it's not. But if they're suggesting if you do drugs hard enough, it'll start to affect other people too. I am scared of drugs. Um, Also, just while I'm on this train of mentioning things, um, H.R. Geiger worked on one of the early drafts of Dune. Uh, he's best known for doing all of the sort of aesthetics behind the movie Alien. Ah, mm-hmm. our good. We can't escape it, can we, Joe? Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, mm-hmm. not a lot of his work made it into the movie that you watched, but this was, like, sort of his into Hollywood. It's how he met Ridley Scott, I think. Hmm. Huh, interesting. <laughs> I could feel that, the like, the, the set design and costume design and the prosthetics. Yeah, I can feel that a little bit. Well... Uh, honestly, the main space nun's silver teeth. Mm. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I forgot she had those silver teeth. E- until yeah. every time she opened her mouth, I was like, oh. And you're oh. like, is that alien? <laughs> so Sting was cool. <laughs> Sting was in this movie. Sting was in this movie, and he played a character named Fade, who was a smiley assassin guy and also had a wonderful beautiful body yep <laughs> that's it that's it that's his whole character yep that's his whole character and he was the final fight he is the final fight yeah which in this because... movie <laughs> in this movie there's no reason for that fight no no nope. no the war is already over <laughs> thing was just like let me fight <laughs> no paul is like if anybody wants to knife fight me right now i'm free <laughs> i'm that's feeling true. frisky <laughs> and and Fade was like, yeah, I got a knife. Hey, Emperor, give me your knife. <laughs> and yeah. they fight. And he's made an example of, because we have to, you need to know that Paul is Jesus. Yeah, the moral, the moral of the story is that Paul's the Messiah. It's a lot of really just directly religious stuff in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of talk of the will of God and... Uh-huh. Uh huh. I I don't know. It just, it was really strange. Also, it does take place in the year ten thousand plus, which insinuates that modern day religion is is out there in space. Has gone yes. out into space. Yeah, and is still a dominant religion. So take that what you will. Yeah, and it's also because it seems like there are a lot of like the. The Bene Gesserit, the space nuns don't seem to be doing Christian religion. Like, no, they don't ever no. say God. They're doing dark magic. But they talk about prophecy and, like, yeah. magic a lot. Yeah. I. Man, you weren't kidding when you said, what do you think about the space nuns, huh? Yeah. They are a major faction here. Yeah, no. So, how did you feel about the navigators, by the way? I genuinely don't remember them. The, the space baby. The space baby. The gross lumpy man at the beginning. Not the gross lumpy man in the middle. <laughs> the thing that threatens the emperor. Oh! Oh, oh, yeah. oh, I loved it! It was fine. Yeah, I thought they were great. They they gave me a very... A lot of stuff in this movie gave me a very Mad Max feel. But uh, that that faction did, mm-hmm. especially. And yeah. I... Like, that, that character, the lumpy... The lumpy brain man, the hut, mm-hmm. was genuinely one of the most interesting characters in the movie, and I wish we had seen more out of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like it would it would have taken a lot to get that piece out again for multiple things. The story, so I get why for for the story for all intents and purposes is focused on Paul, right, and his journey of becoming like of fulfilling his destiny, I guess. But that's just like not interesting to me <laughs> like yeah. it's fun and he's cool and he's a good guy and so it's nice to see him succeed but like it doesn't feel like any actions took place no, no, there were there were no plans there were no there was nothing like he he just he was always going to become jesus of arrakis so that that's what <laughs> happened <laughs> yeah. and he just sort of did whatever uh, felt right and prophetically yeah. that was the correct thing it always thing to do. worked <laughs> and it always worked it was weird to me that he was once they landed 
on Arrakis, and he had his first minor trip because everything was spice. He's like, am I the one? Like, everyone was literally questioning, yeah. is he the chosen one? Is it him? Is the it entire it? time. And then he is lands he, and he's is like, Is he the I product think... of 90 generations of eugenics that we, the, the space nuns, have been performing? <laughs> uh-huh. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you want to say that louder? Because I didn't feel great about that. <laughs> <laughs> there's a... Yeah, uh, there's definitely some weird, icky aspects to this franchise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that just get like that just get like passed off and swept under the rug, and like, n- like, I-, I think a lot of things are just said in passing, not realizing how messed up it is or what the what the ramifications what the of implications it are. are They're yeah. just like trying to set up weird space stuff. Yeah, like he's the chosen one because we've been working hard to to make sure that we get a chosen one. Yeah. Okay. That doesn't sound great, Space Nuns. I think what's really unfortunate about Paul being such a blank slate is that almost every other character has a really distinct and intense energy. Yeah. Yeah, and he's just constantly just questioning his place. Yeah. And where he belongs. And, and everyone's like, dreams. maybe? And his dreams. It's weird because this is after Twin Peaks, I'm pretty sure. Like, Kyle's already been the delightful FBI agent who has such a distinct presence. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I mean, it's the it's the character. Like Kyle is bland, and it's that's just who... He, or Kyle, wow. Paul. <laughs> Paul. Yeah. Paul is bland, and that's just who he is. Because he has to be the hero, so he has to accommodate all the good things. How does... I almost said Kyle too. Um, how does Paul stack up to Luke as sort of sci-fi protagonists? Pete, you assume that I've seen Star Wars. Have you not seen? <laughs> I assumed that if you hadn't seen Star Wars, you would have done it earlier on this podcast. No, we're trying to figure out how to do it still. What do you mean? Because it's a big franchise. It's a big franchise, and I don't want to watch. I don't want to have like nine or six or even three episodes in a row that are all Star Wars. We did so that with to... Alien, but Alien is different. Alien is close to our hearts now. And we took breaks for Alien. And also, yeah. I, I wish we had done it differently. So, <laughs> Also true. But we didn't know what we were getting into when you said, hey, Ray, we should watch so Alien. Anyway, yeah. uh, I, think that, I think that Luke is more interesting than Paul. Mm. Yeah, I think, I think Luke is a lot... He does feel a little bit more like a person. He does the work. Like... Paul just keeps falling into the right choice. It, you know what? I don't even think it's Paul's fault. I think the thing that is, is that Paul is also an exposition device. And so they, so much of this movie is like the first half of this movie is him having visions of what's to come. And then when it gets into the second half of the movie, we start seeing those same scenes again because they were visions. But then we also start getting flashbacks of things that have already happened. And it's like, why? <laughs> like, we all watched the movie. We were already here. Um, and nothing is ever subverted. Like, it's not like he has a vision and then that thing comes to pass and something different happens. It's always just like like showing you like, hey, this is what's going to happen later on in the movie. Get ready. Aren't you interested? <laughs> Yeah, and it's well. The visions aren't even ever like meaningful. It's always just like there. No, the moon will be there. There'll be a hand, a dog. Also, your future wife. Yeah, like a a, a name, Muad'Dib. Uh, I don't know what that means or why it's important. And then later on, like the name comes up. He's like, "Oh, that's the name of the that's the name of the mouse in the moon." Um, so that's my name now. I'm gonna be Muad'Dib. Because I was. Um, yeah. No. It's- okay. I also think it, he really suffers because he doesn't do anything for the first 40 minutes. Like, everybody else really is doesn't. playing this political intrigue assassination game, getting ready yeah. for the big ambush. He's just kind of mm-hmm. there. And, like, that sets him up, like, as, you know, he's he's protected at first. And, like, it's his dad has to be the, the duke and, you know, be on the front line and be in danger. And then his dad dies. And all that stuff... Like I think all I think all of the stuff that they establish in the first hour of the movie is important, but I think they could have done it a lot faster. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, like if we really wanted to get creative with the story, I don't think there's any real reason for the 
Harkonnens to be distinct from the Emperor? Yeah. Yeah, not really. Yeah. Like, you could have just cut all of their scenes. And just included some... Yeah, the Harkonnen... We uh, might also be saying that because we didn't want to see the floating, disgusting man who took time to spit on somebody's face. Mm -hmm. Which, actually, I, I would keep that scene because it's... Like, I think... We're so used to, like, really nasty torture sequence. Like, he didn't cut off somebody's bits uh-huh. with a knife really slowly. He was just like, one little... P- okay, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. What a what a luxury, he says. Yeah, it's so gross. It's almost worse it's- that he's only being a little rude. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. So, and that's the thing, is that, like... I could go back and forth all day on, like, what is good and what is bad about this movie, but there is just so much stuff that is so unique about it and strange about it that I definitely feel enriched for having watched it. Right? And it's... Oh, man. I can't wait but. to see what they do with the one that's coming out at the end of this year, because... <laughs> I hope... I know that it won't be because it's a movie coming out in 2020, but I hope... <laughs> In my heart of hearts, that tonally, it's almost identical. <laughs> like I want it to be, I want it to be a complete rehash <laughs> that came out forty years later. <laughs> it's still Kyle MacLachlan. Still- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Patrick Stewart looks the same. Patrick Stewart yeah. will always look the same. Patrick Stewart is eternal. Yeah. Now I kind of want to. Yeah, he really does look yeah. the exact same. Can we get a movie with like Patrick and Keanu and the rest of the Immortals? <laughs> <laughs> called the immortals yeah called the immortals yeah yeah that'd um, be a fun time um, do we have any other final thoughts before we start to wrap up here i'm gonna think of so many more things to say in like three hours but no <laughs> not now all right well ray would you say that without the lens of nostalgia watching dune <laughs> was worth your time <laughs> I, it, like you said, this movie enriched my life. I think it's worth your time. Okay, I'm in the same boat. Like, <laughs> but will uh, would I recommend it? No. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the trick, ain't it? I certainly i I it's, don't think I would tell anyone like, hey, you gotta watch this movie. It's great. I think I would say you gotta watch this movie. It's important. <laughs> yeah. It's an important movie. I feel like this is your superhero origin story. Like, you fell into a vat of, like, metal acid, and now you have metal skin, and this forever changed you, and it gives you the power to protect others, but you would never wish it on anyone. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. (sighs) That is a vibe. (laughs) All right, well, thank you so much, Peter, for joining us for this. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and thank you again for your participation in the fan discord and for playing the home version of mock footage. It, it brings me so much joy, uh, to know that, that you're, you're out there doing that. Um, yeah, yeah thank you, Ray, also for, for joining us and watching this movie with me. Of course. I'd also like to thank a couple other characters in our, uh, our, <laughs> our mock footage <laughs> podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd like to thank Chongo for the use of the song Hat of Serenity off of the album Hat Shop. You can find that on his Bandcamp. Thank you so much to Haley Rose for the introduction to the show. It's always a nice warm beginning, uh, and then you never know what to expect. Uh, also, thank you to Ross Jerson for the creation of our wonderful cover art. And finally, thank you so much to Lunar Light Studio for letting us watch Dune and talk about it. Yeah. That's what, finally, we've done what we set out to do from the very beginning. (laughs) (laughs) Episode 53, baby, we've achieved our dreams. (laughs) Um, You can reach out to us, listener, on Twitter at MockFootage, or you can send an email to mockfootage at gmail.com. I did it again. <laughs> Dot Tom. I've done that before. I know. Gmail.com. Um, and in fact, we are watching Dune right now at, because of an email that we received from a listener named Ray. Not this Ray, but a different one. Mm-hmm. Um, so thanks again, Ray, for that email. And yeah. listener, I I request that you send us a note. 
if you're feeling up to it. Um, please leave us some feedback on iTunes or Pinecast so we can know how you're feeling about the show. We always love to see those reviews. Um, and tell your friends. This show only grows by word of mouth, and it has been growing, and we so, so appreciate you getting the word out. I know that a lot of people are sharing this show with their their moms and their grandmas, and that couldn't make me happier. I, I love that so much. Yeah. Um, Pete, have you shared this show with your mom yet? No, I need to. I think she would get a kick out of it. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Is there anywhere online that people should look for you? Uh, just the fan discord. Just the fan discord. S. Brindle. Bring in the noise. Bring in the yeah. ruckus. Bring in the ruckus. <laughs> yeah, hit me up. Um, Our D&D party's still one short. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, putting out the call. Join us, Brindle's D&D party. Um, right, nice. Thank y'all so much for listening to Mock Footage. What was our favorite line from this movie, folks? The spice must flow. Was it the spice must flow? <laughs> that was a good one. But Can't I also uh-huh. really liked... Now I truly control the worm and the spice. <laughs> that was also very good. Honestly, anything Aaliyah said was also very good. <laughs> Peter, did anything stick out to you? Um, I think I'm going to stick with the uh, classic, The Sleeper Has Awakened. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, take your pick. Lunar Light Studio. Pretty, witty, and gay. Hey, Kyla. Yeah, Marty. What's your favorite scary movie? Well, that's an excellent question. You can find the answer to that if you listen to our podcast, Netflix and Kill. If you're a horror fan, you can hear us go through all the horror films on Netflix, good and bad. Find out which ones are worth watching. If you're a horror newcomer, don't be scared off. We go through the ropes and definitely make some jokes. So we hope you check us out. You can find our podcast at LunarLightStudio.com or iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. New episodes out every other Tuesday. May your nightmares be plentiful. plentiful.